This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, my guest is Dolores Hirschman. She is an internationally recognized strategist and coach. She helps clients clarify their idea worth sharing, designing their communication strategies, and implement business growth systems. Her clients become speakers and authors and take their message to larger audiences like TEDx and beyond. She works through group coaching, workshops, one-on-one coaching, as well as public speaking. Dolores is a writer, TEDx organizer, and participator participant in TEDx conferences. She is a CTI certified and ICF accredited coach and has a business degree from the Universidad de San Andres, Argentina. Originally from Buenos Aires, Dolores speaks fluent Spanish, English, and French and lives in Dartmouth, Massachusetts with her husband and four children. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for the long intro. Uh, well, it's all accredited back to you. This is your, you know, this is your hard work that's uh, come to fruition. So good on you for everything you've continued to do in the space in terms of paying it forward, being of service and being instrumental in a lot of people's careers. So, you know, the credit goes back to you, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. So how are you and the family making out uh, with uh, all, all that's going on in the world right now? You doing okay? Yes, we're doing fine and we're all healthy. Thank you for asking. I hope yours are doing well too. We um, are. Thank you. It, it is crazy times and yeah, it's crazy times. <laughs> that's all I can say. Well, you know what? That's a good segue because, I mean, obviously the conversations changed a little bit to address what's happening in the culture of business and the fact that people have had to pivot and adapt accordingly, yeah. uh, p- particularly when we sit in a space of a lot of unknowingness and it's day-to-day, um, you know. So what has this done for you in terms of business, Dolores? I mean, you know, in terms of the clients that you generally interface with or uh, who you're currently in the midst of working on projects with, where are you at right now in the grand scheme of things? Yes. So absolutely, we're all pivoting. 
One yep. thing I think I want to share, uh, which I think it's it's part of how I'm wired and what I who I am, is that I, I when I when I'm presented with a challenge, and it's happened many times in my life, I get creative, highly mm. creative. Um, it takes me. I mean, I, I I can't freeze, but for the most part, I go creative. And in this case, because I serve so many business owners. Um, I have spent the last two weeks listening, listening at my business owners' fears or where they're getting stuck or what they're being challenged by. And I've actually even opened up um, uh, Zoom rooms or, or video conference rooms, and I've opened up and said, ask me anything. So I've been actually having hundreds of conversations with business owners. And the reality is that for me or for you, that we already work virtual, the world mm -hmm. changed that much. Of course, it hasn't in a many ways, right? But in our routine, it hasn't. And so Absolutely. one of the things that I've been saying to my customers, which are most of them operating somehow virtual, and I'm, and I'm using that specifically because many clients, of, most of my clients are operating remotely, but maybe serving in person. Mm-hmm like workshops on speaking or whatever. And so I always say, if you are operating any part of your business remotely today, then you are in the percentage of people that are really prepared for this new world. That's the first thing. Absolutely. Well, what I'll say to that is, I mean, you being entrepreneur too, and for all of us entrepreneurs, you know, we understand isolation right so we we haven't had to deal with the shock to our system for many people who are used to being in an office space yeah. out in the community or working with teams and they get to socialize and stuff like that so i feel very fortunate as i'm sure you can attest to as well dolores we've already climatized to what's in, what's required for working in isolation as an entrepreneur in which to be top tier producers and get our content out um and so, yes, virtual is the way to go. That's the way people are co consuming their content more so than ever now that they're sitting at home for an indefinite period of time and they're trying to find new ways in which to keep themselves expanding, growing, learning, and occupied and stimulated, right? Uh, yes, and, and the truth is that um, I see an immense amount of opportunity for not just for you and I, but for all of us yes. as we as we shift from resisting the crisis to embracing what is possible. Bingo, bingo. And well, that's exactly the dance that I've been playing for the last two weeks with all my clients and anybody would, that would listen. Well, and that's such an important thing that you said, uh, particularly for the global listening audience and eventually the podcast subscribers, because, you know, where a lot of people might be, and it's a choice, and I'm not here to negate or minimize other people's feelings or to invalidate them, um, but this is absolutely, as you said, Dolores, this is the perfect opportunity, regardless of what you do for a living, you know, there's always good books to be read. We don't need to be sitting at nauseam in front of CNN or whatever the case may be, where we know 
know the information in the news is going to be depressing. Uh, we know it's going to elicit fear from people and people can't af afford to be sitting immersed in that space hour after hour, day after day. And in this case, who knows how long. So, you know, the fact that we've got this gift of time that we'll never probably hopefully ever get back for these particular set of reasons or circumstances in which to grow ourselves and really look at the bigger picture of, you know, when the gates are open and we can come out and we can reconvene with the rest of humanity, what does the newer, better, most improved version of ourselves look like? What does business then look like? What does what does what did we previously take for granted? What does that look like? So let's go from that. You know, what what are you hoping to get out of this outside of what you currently already are, Dolores? Yes, I think that we have given the gift of disruption. Mm -hmm. I think the world has been given the gift of disruption and every single industry has been disrupted. Every single industry from yes. the education industry to everything. And so for me personally, is an amazing opportunity to show up as a leader. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that from a place of ego, but from a place of clarity of exactly how I can lead and where, and almost an invitation for everybody to step up to their gifts and lead. The world today needs people who will help people make decisions. And people who not only will help people make decisions, but who have the capacity to listen, to empathize, to connect, engage, and co-create the new whatever, the new world, the new business, the new school, the new family dynamics. It, 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 it's, it's, it's off with the, the era of uh, individualism and on with the era of unity. Um, like we now, I think the world is showing us that we're a network of humans and that if the um, healthcare system is down, then there's a chain reaction. If we don't get out of our house and we don't produce food, then we all go hungry. That none of us live alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so in, that, in that clarity and that consciousness that, you know, we always knew this. But now we know it. Like uh, we, you know, we humans go from knowing to knowing when that knowing impacts us in one way or another. And this knowing has impacted all of us. So we now know that we're a network of humans. That if one um, link disrupts, then the chain falls down. Absolutely. Well, if nothing else, this reinforces to what degree we are all interconnected. We are all one. And we are only as strong as our weakest link. So if we're all getting on board with accountability, you know, it's not about self-preservation in terms of, you know, I'm going to look out for me at the expense of you. It's about how can I, even in the midst of what I'm currently sitting, what can I do to be of service to you? How can I still actively pay it forward and be of service to you? Um, that's the chain reaction that we need to keep going and, and going and creating and finding opportunities in which to make ourselves useful and productive and kind and supportive uh, because we are, we're all in a place of needing that. 
We all are in a place of needing that. So um, what I want to get back to here is, Dolores, what I think is really, really essential at this particular point in time is what I love about your business model and what you impress upon as being fundamentally different and being very discerning in the ways that you're different is you talk about trust-based you know, it's not just the trust funnels, but it's talking about trust-based customer journey. Yes. What, you know, one that inspires clients to buy. That yes. being very different mindset in terms of looking at what people would customarily think about, whether they're talking about funnels or whatever the case may be in terms of just sales, right? You, yes. take, you take the relationship out of that. There is no business model, in my opinion, because it's all relational. Yes, 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 absolutely. And so when this whole, and I'll give you an example of what that looks like in my business. Um, when this began, I sent an email to my thousand of subscribers in my list. And I said, we are family and families stick together. Yes. Uh, now, this is an email list. This doesn't mean they're all my customers. There's not, not all of them have bought or given me money, um, but they are fellow followers so they have purchased with their trust and I always say that in, in, in the in the journey of uh, going from finding someone that is potentially a lead to having that person turn into a customer they do micro purchasing of you um, at first just when someone says yes to subscribing to their lit to your list they just bought you with their trust absolutely that's, that's a currency and when they actually bought, buy you with money, it's an ultimately tangible show of trust if you want. But, but, but ignoring the other signs of purchasing um, is, is ignoring what you're actually building, which is a human-to-human trust-based relationship. And so when we think in that way, Lisa, is that we consistently as a content creators, as in, on my end, is I... I can't execute this strategy in this way if I'm not first feeling it myself. Mm -hmm. If I'm not really asking myself, who are these people that are in my email list? Well, the answer to that is they are in my world. They're in my community. They're my family. And what do I do for them? Well, I, I am clear on what value I bring. And when you have that exercise of clarifying what kind of relationship you're in and how do you serve that relationship, then you can consistently kind of walk on that lane in that, in that way, meaning being consistent in your message, being clear in your value proposition, and the other person receiving whatever it is that you produce, knowing what to expect from you. So there's safety and all of that builds trust. Well, and the thing that I absolutely love about everything that you do and everything you stand for, Dolores, is, you know, for people to come back as a repeat customer and who are chomping at the bit for your new product, your new sign-up, your, your new whatever, uh, you could only have successfully uh, manifested that as a result of being congruent with your actions, being in, in total alignment with your initial messaging. Because when we talk about family, 
family, for people who, you know, and I love the fact that you categorize it and, and characterize it as such, because there isn't anybody, generally speaking, who doesn't feel the most protective of their family members, their immediate family members. And so when you extend that characterization to all of those people who you provide service to, and they really intrinsically feel that, that connection, uh, and they and they know that it's a mutual reciprocal one, yeah. then 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 you have really amplified and you've underscored and you've demonstrated that yes, I've walked my talk with the trust core principle. Yeah, yeah. And and let me let me expand on this because if you're a business owner uh, and you're listening to this, I don't know when they're gonna listen to us, but the truth is that we are in times of rethinking and revisiting every aspect of our lives. Um, and so on that, in that spirit, I asked my team some specific questions. And one of the questions I asked is like, what do you love about working with Masters in Clarity? And what the team said uh, across the board, they were like, because we, A, they love our, they love our clients because we attract great clients. Um, but B, they've never felt in a position working with a client that they had to kind of put face or or uh, put off a fire of an upset client because they feel that whatever Masters in Clarity promises, we deliver. Yeah. And it's like a basic, but most companies don't do that. Um, and so what I want to say here is that when you think about trust funnel or building trust-based relationships so that you can grow a consistent, um, you know, attractive company, meaning clients are coming to you, that doesn't just stay in the client-facing side. You either are it or you are not. Mm -hmm. And are it, it is your DNA and your team benefits from it. It's, it's a family all along, like I, I, I'm not just saying we're a family, I mean it. Um, and one of the things we're doing internally as a team, we, we, I decided and I, and I shared this with the team, I said, look guys, I don't know what's gonna come up next month, but we're in this together and if we all have to cut our hours so that we all stay on board, that's what we're gonna do. Um, and so it's, it's really not just saying that you lead a company on a trust-based relationship, is that it is part of every layer of what you do and who you are. Absolutely. Well, I'll even take it one step further just to generically say that if people aren't prepared to be with you during the worst of times, they don't deserve to be with you during the best of times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and who isn't on the receiving end at some point in their lives of, you know, them needing the uh, the anchor or they need the mentor, they need the coach or they need the support or, you know, the team to rally them. We're all, if we haven't already all, always, been, or sorry, if we haven't already been there, life being what it is and what it has presented and will continue to present to us and we're all sitting in it right now as an example, uh, that time will come, right? Mm -hmm. That time will come. Everybody's need and time of need and time of darkness will come. So remember how you're treating people now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly, 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 exactly. So let's talk. Let's talk, Dolores, about who is your ideal client. I mean, I know I, I introduced a little bit of that in the intro, so people can connect the dots on that. But I want you to break it down for the listeners. Yes. So my ideal client is an entrepreneur, a business owner, 
who is running a small business, and I have different programs, but um, one of our main programs called Clarity Circles is we help a business owner who has a yearly revenue of about $50,000. So they're not quite to the six figure. And they're, they've been at it for a year or two or three. And they're like, kind of like, how do I get to a six figure stage? So the 50 to the $100,000 kind of bridge. And in, in that, what we do is we help our client, again, hone in their message, get some traction in the marketplace, by clear positioning and create the back office or the scalable business model that when this marketing shows up, like uh, pays dividends, when the efforts of showing up online or in person or however you show up starts getting traction, then you have the bandwidth to absorb those clients. You have no idea how many times I've been talking to people and they're like, oh, don't worry about it. Once I get a lot of clients, I, I, that's a happy problem. I can deal with that. <laughs> and the truth is that then it's a, it is a problem. Yes. Because you are only operating on a one-on-one, basically one hour of your time for money. Mm-hmm. Um, translating that into a scalable business model um, requires a strategy. So, so one idea client is that business owner who just wants to grow. And for the most part, that's a service business owner coaches, authors, accountants, dentists, um, health professionals, um, writers, you know, that kind of business. And then we have the other group of ideal clients, which is a person that is leading a much bigger company, probably in the two or $300,000 range, going to the million. And for the most part, they have the model set up and they are just waiting for more business. So what we do there is we help them kind of tie up anything that needs to be tied on the on the business model side and automations and 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 uh, systematization systematization of any of that. But we spend most of the time on how what do they need to do to be seen. So mm-hmm. it's the messaging, maybe getting them on a TEDx stage. That's one of my specialties. Um, uh, getting them positioned to be selected to speak. Uh, how do you work? a room as far as a speaker, how do you convert, and all of the strategies of visibility. Fantastic. So let's talk about the TEDx specifically. Um, so do you have, because uh, I don't know if this would be perceivably a conflict of interest, so if you work with your client base to position them properly, uh, you know, getting them poised, getting them articulated, getting their messaging sound and succinct, but then they go through the process of how best to get in front of the panel who would be making the decision as to whether they would be selected. Are, do you play, wear both hats on both sides of that? Like, do you have pull with who gets selected to, t- to take the stage? Okay, let me just clarify here. So I am, I am a TEDx organizer, but I haven't organized my event for three years. Okay. So I organized 2015, 16, and 17. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I stopped, mostly is bandwidth, because I was organizing an event for 1,200 people as a volunteer position, and I just run out of capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that happened, Lisa, is that I, I became this go-to person to, be, to help people get on TEDx stages, and I felt just what you were mentioning is that there's a conflict of interest. 
Well, none of my clients ever spoke on my TEDx. I drew, I drew a very harsh line there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was placing, I am placing people on TEDx stages. So one of the things that people who know this, this space know is that a referral probably won't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Organizers really want to discover new talent. And so when I get my clients to get selected for TEDx, we actually don't really reveal that we're helping them. In the, what I'm meaning by that is that we really strengthen our client for them to earn their TEDx. Got and it. Even when we help them apply and do the application, we help them with the copy. Um, but they really earn it. And we don't even negotiate the terms. Um, when they get a selection, they go for the audition. We, can, we obviously prep them if they need to. But we are really prepping and empowering our client to earn that stage. Fantastic. And so does your business model open up to, say, for example, doing like sizzle reels in the background so that they can send that in as part of their application? Yes. So, okay. so we do have a very specific template and scripts that we use for TEDx. Mm-hmm. And it does not look like a sizzle reel because you want to be very under. So you, you need to be for TEDx, you need to be very underproduced and hyper clear. <laughs> Got it. So it's kind of a weird combo because it's not about the flashy reel. It's about a blow your mind idea that they, they must have on their stage. Right. Well, I know TEDx tends to, they run in themes, right? So they're looking for something specific based on the culture of what's progressive or what's what's the buzz, you know, topic of discussion that's floating around in the industry. So do you tend to get a bit of a heads up for your clients in advance to know based on the special the specialty or the expertise of each of your clients who actually would be more advantage or better positioned based on their topic or their brand for who might you know get chosen ideally yes so when we so we have a a, a service where we is kind of a concierge where I, I work i so i work with the client in clarifying their message and their talk and all that and then once their talk is ready and their positioning copy is ready, they work with my team and my team identifies and applies on their behalf. So in that research phase that we do, that my team does for our client, um, my team and I come up with a strategy and we filter the events we will apply to on behalf of that client based on what the idea is and what their work is and the theme of the event. So we absolutely do absolutely do a matching of best positioning for each client based on the theme of the events. Fantastic. So the last thing that I'll just ask for additional clarity around this, because this, the more clear I get with you, the more it offers and invites the opportunity for more of the listeners to reach out to you. So whatever, you know, and I, I tend to be quite in tune in knowing how my listeners are thinking and the podcast subscribers are, are thinking. So, um, so let's say for example, your client, uh, let's, you know, any one generic person and they tend to have an expertise based on their backstory or their life story or their passion or their purpose, but there, it, it doesn't quite 
match up or align with what the flavor of the month would be for the best recruitment candidates to get through a, a panel of selection, uh, the, you know, the deciding factors. So, but knowing that that client still is a good speaker, still is a powerful, you know, has powerful delivery in their messaging. Have you had to change the lay of the land for what they would typically or normally speak about so as to give them more of an opportunity and a higher percentage of being sought out as a speaker for a TEDx? So, yes, absolutely. Because um, here's the thing, and this is why I've worked with very well-known seasoned speakers who had spoken for years on different stages, but they wanted a TEDx for whatever reason. And the conversation is different because the the at TEDx stage is less about your work, although obviously you will talk about your work, but in the in the positioning part of of the of the work, is less about the work you've done and more about the idea behind your work. Mm. And so so all of my clients need to be and so I've had this situation many times when a client would say, Well, but I've been speaking for so many years. And then I would say, Okay, great, what is the idea behind your work? And they will spend about 20 minutes on explaining the idea behind their work. And then I will stop them and say, that's great. But did you realize you just took 20 minutes for, <laughs> for idea for a talk that should be 18 minutes? <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's nothing to do. It's, it's just a different style. It's like, if, it, it's like if you're shooting a film versus a documentary. Very different environment. So it, it's not about changing what they say, but positioning in a way that is right for this medium. Okay. And do you happen to know what the more preferred topics are right now or ideas uh, on behalf of TEDx? Okay. So here's the thing. So the themes, um, they're really more themes versus topics. And the themes are, uh, and I've done this as an organizer, when you pick a theme, you pick a very broad theme mm -hmm. that will be able to invite different kinds of conversations. So it's not really, first of all, as a TEDx organizer, you're encouraged to, to, to have conversations across different industries or topics. Right. So it's less about a specific subject matter and more about a theme in in that, for example, we did a theme at one time that was unbound. The word mm -hmm. was, the theme was called unbound. And really it was about ideas in different categories or topics that were out there, that were not bound by tradition or rules or or what was done before. So we were really looking for a creative idea that would fit most speakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, so the truth is that, um, that, so when you're asking what are the hot topics that if you, I'm a speaker, I should be pitching for TEDx, you know, we, right now in my team has paused all of the applications for the spring of 2020, mm -hmm. simply because of the situation. We've had a few clients whose TEDx events were postponed. Um, so we are looking to start applying on behalf of our clients in the fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. and I don't know yet, but I'm suspecting that we are going to see topics like the future of work, um, how to build communities when you can't be, be together, 
um, the new family dynamics. Um, there's going to be a whole lot of topics on the, 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 the disruption of education. So I think the ideas are going to be looking, people are going to be, TEDx organizers are going to be looking for ideas that address the disruptions that have happened in every industry. Well, I would hope one of the topics is emergency preparedness. <laughs> yes. Um, and what does, what does the world look like when our biggest threat is not a nuclear bomb, but a virus? Absolutely. The, the democratization of doom. I know that sounds weird, but, but here, let, let, let's be honest in, for a minute. You know, for many of the people living in developed countries, um, fear, crisis, hunger, death has been on TV. Mm -hmm. It's been far from home. We know it, we, we are empathic to it, we fundraise for it, but we didn't live it. Right. Well, what? Now we live it. <laughs> well, you know, I always, I always tend to go to the abstract, right? So, you know, I put up something the other day in, in some of my social media posting, because I always, you know, I always try to get people to critically think and look about, about things from a devil's advocate perspective, so as to perpetuate deeper, more meaningful type conversations. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what I put forth was, you know, uh, what if... Perhaps we are the uh, we are the disease, and COVID nineteen is the cure. <laughs> my, my daughter and I have been having that conversation. I, I'll tell you a quick story, and I know this might be controversial, but that's okay. I don't care. This is a controversial show. Let me tell you. So my daughter is a freshman in college. Yeah, and she had her first semester last semester. And in part of the requirement of the honors program, whatever, she had to take a climate change um, class. And she, she did the whole thing and was exposed to a lot of ideas and, and got involved with a lot of projects and was very passionate. And, and you know, from the, from the, what is it, the, the metal straws to not using straws to the plastic bag conversation, all of that. And then one day she said to me, she said, Mama, wait, the world will be so great if we humans just get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, we are the cockroaches of this poor earth. <laughs> well... But the, the thing is, too, you know, like it's a decision every single day, whether we're talking about the environment, whether we're talking about the energy that we emit to our loved ones, our children in terms of parenting and role modeling. Every decision we make, it's premised on, am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? Yeah. Am I a contributor or am I a contaminator? Right? Like it really fundamentally comes down to that. And sometimes people are operating in a space where they're doing it subconsciously. It's not that there's intentional malice or ignorance that's being exuded and, and exhibited out there in the world. But this is, you know, if we don't, if we don't do personal inventory, if we don't check ourselves at the door before being so apt to cast judgment on other people and be so quick to find a so-called person in which to designate blame, well, you know, we are all culpable.
at some mm-hmm. level. There mm-hmm. are all, there's so many areas that we could all vastly improve upon. There, you know, there's always ways in which to expand our level of self-awareness. Think, you know, because we're always outgrowing older ideologies or scripts that we know were asinine and were counterintuitive. So, you know, that applies at the micro level. It applies at the macro level. It applies at the universal level and the individual level. So to what degree are we all going to take advantage of this gift of time we've been given to figure ourselves out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that sense, you know, the, the coronavirus is a uh, and a ventilator yeah. for the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, like cause, it's cause and effect. I mean, like, it, it's so, it's such a basic concept. You know, there's consequences, whether positive or negative, for every action or inaction. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Right? This isn't random. This isn't coincidence. But you start, if everybody starts putting in the pot, you know, apathy or complacency or mediocrity and everybody, you know, it doesn't matter what the ratio, the the distribution of, of how many people are bigger contributors compared to how many people are occasionally contributing. But if the pot that we're contributing to is going to cripple us, you know, there's, there's no, you know, look at the, the environment, right? There's only so much people can withstand. There's only so much mother nature can withstand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, I, you know, I could, I could digress and that's a whole different show in itself, but I want to, I want to give you the opportunity, Dolores, um, where can people reach you? How can people, um, talk to you about, uh, an initial consult, uh, what's the length of time, generically speaking, and I know it would be different for every individual client, but on the, on the shorter end to the, the more drawn out end, how long do people generally work with you before they perhaps come back for a different reason? Yeah, so I have clients who come and say, I've been selected to speak on an event, I need a talk right now. Mm-hmm. So that's just one way that I work with people and that's private time with me and we do four hours and you have a talk. Um, and then the, the, the most common is people come and work with me for a year and they, they completely transform their business. I have an example. I have a client who came and worked with me in 2019 and she said 99% of my work comes from me on a plane going to people's companies and running workshops and I'm getting older and I want to kind of have a different kind of setup. And thank God we did. We worked together in 2019 and 2020. She started January doing her usual travel. And now we are here in March 2020. And I just had a meeting with her and she said, you know what? All of my customers are, are now accustomed to me supporting them virtually. And I have this mastermind that I don't have to travel for. So today my business is fine. But a year before it would have been not fine. So she's working on with me on, on her second year. Um, so most clients will work for a year in transforming their communication strategy, their visibility strategy, and their business model so that they can really scale. I I love to say that I have about 80% retention. I have clients that have been with me for three or four years. Fantastic. Um, and so that and and people come to mastersinclarity.com and we offer uh, what we call clarity calls or free 
clarity sessions to um, anybody that is interested in exploring working with us. Love it. A couple things I'm going to say simultaneously. So, you know, because you treat your clients and your staff team as a family, no doubt your your influx and uh, oversubscribership for people wanting to work with you is based on referrals, right? People people forget that. People for people forget that it's word of mouth, right? That has so so much residual yeah. impact. Um, you know, people buy into you. They know you're the real deal. And they see other people who are in their tribe doing like-minded things or walking similar paths in life. You're going to be the automatic person they refer you to based on how you've treated them. And not treated, not just treated them uh, when the service has been provided, but the fact that you still follow up with them after they've like completed the invoice, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The other thing I, I, the other thing I was going to say was in your experience, Dolores, what what is the difference? What is the the discerning fundamental factor for how you would characterize somebody being a good speaker to an outstanding speaker? Hmm. If you have a speaker and you are in the audience and you go out of the meeting room and you let's say that you're in a session, you have five speakers back to back, and then it's lunchtime. And you go out and say, which speaker did you like the most? And they say so-and-so. What was the main idea? What did they talk about? And they can actually verbalize what they were talking about in a way that it makes a difference in the world. Then that speaker did a good job. But what is that? Let's break that down to some. Let's let's cite some actual criteria for that. For anybody who's listening right now who is a speaker but wants to level up with you and would already have already perhaps received the feedback that they're a good sought out speaker, but they know that there's always room for improvement. You listening to people with your discerning ear, what is it that stands out for the people who would be able to offer the feedback you just mentioned? Yeah, so so if you are, let's say, a motivational speaker or a a very successful speaker, but you want to be a transformational speaker, meaning that you transform your audiences through your message, there's a couple of things that you want to have that you need to be intentional about. Number one is what is the one core message, the one gift that you want to give your audiences? I know you can talk about a lot of things, but if you only have a very short amount of time, what is the one thing that you want to make sure that they take with them when they leave? And, and as a speaker, you must be clear on that. Mm-hmm. And then the second is your talk is not about engaging storytelling because storytelling is an engaging tool, but it's not a talk. Mm-hmm. It's about using the appropriate stories to deliver the gift of that main message. A right. lot of speakers say, oh, people love my stories. And that is great. But when you, you know, a story will make an audience feel good and, and say that was a great speaker, but it will not make an audience remember you. Right. 
Well, and I think it's important to break it down too, like, because there's so many transformational speakers. There's a lot of people who are on point with their messaging, but you know, when I'm, when I'm even like when I get interviewed on other people's podcasts and I'm looking at them from an interviewer standpoint, because that's the role I, I tend to regularly occupy myself, you know, or the people who I'm interviewing and I've been doing this for five years. So, I mean, and they're all speakers, a good portion of them in some way, shape or form. They're all speakers or, or storytellers. Um, but I'm talking about things like cadence. I'm talking about metaphors. I'm talking about analogies. I'm talking about visual graphics, uh, you know, going for the heart. So let's, you know. go details. let's go for the details. So that's a couple of things. A, let's talk about the easiest, the easiest part, slides and visuals. Every time you put words on a deck, you are you're competing with yourself as a speaker. Agreed. I don't like props at all. The audience is either reading your deck or listening to you. Yeah. So I do encourage people to use slides, but to use one image per slide. Mm -hmm. Because the brain is anchoring that visual cue with your words. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's, we're talking about slides is the slides have to be images and they have to complement your talk. Yes. Step number two. On your talk, the first 60 seconds are golden. Yes. And so most speakers or many speakers will walk on stage and present themselves and tell people what they're going to talk about. <laughs> if, that's what you go, if that's what you're doing, you already lost your audience. Yes, you have. Because you want to walk on stage I don't care if you haven't been introduced yet. I don't care if anybody knows who you are because they don't care to know you yet until they have to care. That's right. And so the first 60 seconds of your of you opening your mouth in front of a room of people is what is in it for them. Get mm. give them a reason to listen to you. Mm -hmm. And there's different strategies that I teach on how to do that. One is resonant question and the other one is present tense storytelling. Those are tools, uh, but, but either one of them is designed to get the person who is settling in their seat, turning off their phone, maybe checking that last email, look up and say, oh, wait, this person is talking to me. Mm -hmm. so, so once you do that successfully, let's say you pass that test. Then the next step you need to do as a speaker is tell them what you're going to tell them. Because you just make the audience care, care about whatever you're going to say. Now you have to tell them, make them curious. What is it that you're going to talk about? Now, this is not where you go and teach or, or, or deliver your talk. This is when you take a stand for what you stand for or what you believe or what you've researched or what you've learned. So for me, I would say, I believe that a, cl a clear message wrapped in an approach that is based on human relationships is the best way to grow your business. Absolutely. Well, I, I, the thing is, too, I, I, I'm cognizant of time here, but I... 
you know, I know if we're talking about TEDx specifically, I know it would, uh, the answer would probably be predicated on what the theme would be, right? So if you're talking about, let's say, for example, if you're talking about artificial intelligence, then you're going to want to hook people based on logic, based on, uh, you know, cerebral type thinking. If if the theme is something to do, uh, you know, at the emotional level, you're going to want to hook them at the heart level, right? So, but, but even with that being said and knowing that there might be distinct categories that one would, you know, govern or navigate their, their talk based on, uh, do you tend to see more success with speakers regardless of the theme being more uh, heart-based or head-based? Okay. So first of all, when, we, when I talk about introducing your idea, it really is theme-free, meaning it is really about your idea. Right. So, so the heart is at the first 60 seconds, and then the next step, the next 60 seconds if you want, it doesn't have to be that much of time, more or less, um, it's more cerebral. So the first is the heart, the second is cerebral, and the third is heart again by introducing yourself. Okay. So, so it really is about a, a quick, easy 30-second statement of the core essence of your talk. Okay. Because and, then you will expand it later. Okay. And have you yourself ever uh, given a talk on a TEDx stage? I have not delivered a TEDx uh, talk. I've never applied either. <laughs> um, but it's something that I'm probably going to be doing in this in 2020. Fantastic. Yeah, I've been the MC of mine for years, but, uh, but I never applied to speak. And so what types of talk, I mean, obviously for you, I would think that the, uh, the obvious one would be anything that has to do with trust. Yes, and the, the, the one talk that I've, I've been thinking, and, I, and I, I, we actually were just getting ready to start applying um, in March, <laughs> um, so now we've postponed till the fall, but it's one of the things I talk about in the trust, I talk a lot about positioning and authenticity, Yeah, which obviously are related topics. And as you can hear, I'm from Argentina, I am not American, and I do have an accent. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the title of the talk is that I'm, that I'm delivering is My Accent, My Asset. Yes. It's about identifying what makes you different and using that that makes you different to move you forward. I so love that you said that. I so love that you said that because... Oftentimes, I think the mistake people make without maybe intentionally doing it or being conscious of the fact that they're doing it is everybody's looking at who's been successful based on what, and then they're trying to be the carbon copy. They're trying to emulate, and they're piggybacking, and they're cherry-picking, and then they don't realize why they fell short or fell flat on their face. And it's like, well, there's only ever one Oprah. There's only one ever, you know, Brene Brown. There's, you know, there's only one Deepak Chopra. You, you've got to, you got to find your own voice, and you've got to make and know your flavor, and and you've got to take what works for you that separates you from the rest and stand out and stand apart. That's the attractor factor. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that's common sense. But I think oftentimes that's where people miss the boat. Yeah, and also people. Um become trapped and victims of the differences mm -hmm. um, and I believe that your difference is your superpower oh absolutely absolutely 
Um, well, we've covered a lot of ground here. I'm really happy with this interview, and I really, I really quite like you, Dolores. <laughs> I really do. So I want to give you an opportunity again to impart to the listening audience and to the podcast subscribers. Where can people reach you? What's upcoming on the calendar? What should people be looking out for? And what should people be discussing with you at the initial trust level? Yes. So you can reach me at mastersinclarity.com. You can go to start here to book a free clarity call. And what's coming up for us at Masters in Clarity is really uh, designing or being part of the design of the new world. So one of the focuses we have is helping people communicate effectively and run virtual companies. And we have created a whole set of solutions for people who might be a little bit scared or hesitant to now go remote. Um, we even have a solution for bigger corporations that are now in need of leading remote teams. And so when people talk with us, you know, focus on how can be how can I be so clear and so assertive that I can lead the conversation in my industry? Fantastic. And very quickly, Dolores, because everybody defines it or perceives it differently. What does living fearlessly mean to you? Living fearless means to me uh, engaging your creativity every time you fear comes around the corner before mm -hmm. fear comes into your life. Fight it with creativity and positive uh, view of the world. Fantastic. Well, again, because we unpacked a lot in such a short, finite period of time, if there was one takeaway or breakthrough that you would hope would penetrate uh, with the listening audience and the podcast subscribers out of all the yummy stuff that we uh, discussed here mutually today, what would be the one impressing thing that you would hope that the listeners walk away with? Clarify who you are and how you serve. Mm -hmm. Communicate that to the world in an honest way and you will be able to pivot and survive whatever comes your way. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And again, very quickly, is there anything that I did not ask you that you wish that I had? How many children do you have? <laughs> okay, that's random. <laughs> I have two children. Good. I have four. So Lovely. <laughs> We're moms. We're mama bears. But, uh, but I just want to say, Dolores, for the difference that you're making by showing up and see, this is why I love what you're doing, because you're the uplifter, you're the inspirer, you're the encourager to get other people to show up, not just for themselves, but by honing that and knowing that there's always ways to improve upon that and to extrapolate upon that and deepen that and expand upon that, that you know, that's going to call it a stage, call it whatever call it now virtual Zoom reality chat, this is what's going to make these people stand up and rise as effectively and as impactfully and as profoundly as they can for their intended audience. So the role that you play in behind the scenes is hugely instrumental. And uh, I just want to say for the work that you continue to do in this space, I very much appreciate you. I think you're wonderful. I'm, I love cheering on particularly female entrepreneurs. Uh, so if there's anything that I can do going forward to additionally down the road, because we're all about trust, you and I, uh, where I can help you out or help your clients out, 
I'm always here for you. And you've always got an open standing invitation to come back and to share with whatever else is upcoming that's worth sharing with the listening audience and the podcast subscribers. You're always welcome back, Dolores. I think you're, you're quite lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. Well, thank you for the gift of your time. So to the, my listening audience, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time as well, uh, for showing up here and, and participating in listening to this conversation with myself and Dolores Hirschman. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday, I wish you a safe, healthy, and hopefully positive spirited weekend. Okay? Take care. All my best. We'll talk soon. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.